Welcome to the Didache Divine Service. The last two weeks of Didache have been spent on the first article of the Creed, creation, the creation of man in the image and likeness of the triune God of love, the institution of marriage, the fall into sin, and the curse of the fall last week. Together with the promise of the gospel, the seed of the woman, our Lord Jesus, the virgin-born Son of God, who would crush the serpent's head, redeeming us from the power of Satan. That emphasis that we ended on last week will be picked up tonight as we move into the second article of the Creed, which speaks directly about the seed of the woman, the Son of God, our Redeemer. And I would draw your attention to the collect for tonight, which is for the first Sunday after Christmas, you'll have to listen for that, and the opening hymn which speaks of that first promise of the gospel of the seed of the woman crushing the serpent's head. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, our Maker and Redeemer, you wonderfully created us and in the incarnation of your Son, yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Hymn 352.
Hymn 352 is an Advent hymn. Advent means coming. And it is sung at the beginning of the church year, which starts just at the end of the month of November this year, those four weeks leading up to Christmas, the coming of the Son of God in human flesh. So Advent speaks of a yearning desire for the redemption from sin and from death and from Satan's power. One of the wonderful things about this Advent hymn is it picks up on themes from Old Testament prophecies, the hope and expectation of Israel. He is the, Jesus is the seed of Abraham, the patriarch, who was promised that in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He's the son of David, the king greater than David, who would shepherd his people Israel. And from the earliest promise, from the Garden of Eden after the fall into sin, he is the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. So we spoke of that last week, this riddle of the gospel, where speaking to the serpent, who is Satan, who had entered into the creation, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, the woman being Eve, the woman being the Virgin Mary, the woman being the bride of Christ, the church, enmity, strife, warfare. I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed, Satan, all of the kingdom of unbelief marshaled against the Lord, and between her seed, the seed of the woman, he will bruise your head or crush your head and you will bruise his heel. We talked last week about how it was always God's desire to be in communion with us. So the Son of God becoming man, which we will talk about tonight under the second article of the Creed, was not an afterthought on God's part, but rather to be in communion with us and he, we with him and he with us in communion with the divine life and the divine love, which is the Holy Trinity's, is something that God willed from before the foundation of the world. Adam's rebellion and the fall of mankind into sin does not deter God's will. But as God created in love, self-giving, sacrificial love, so we see the true nature of that love in the incarnation, that word means enfleshment of the Son of God. It is in the incarnation, in the suffering, and in the death of Jesus, whereby he takes our sin and death upon himself, that we see the fullness of God's nature of love manifest to us. If you take your white sheet of paper that has the reading for tonight... We are unable to go to nativity readings from Mark because Mark begins with the ministry of John the Baptist that prepares the way for Jesus' public ministry, his baptism and his preaching. So we return to Luke's gospel, which includes the beginning of the incarnation, which is nine months before Jesus' birth. So in the church year, we celebrate Jesus' birth, what day? December 
25th. Nine months before that is March 25th, when the church has celebrated the Annunciation, which is this reading when the angel Gabriel announces to the Blessed Virgin Mary that she would be the mother of the Son of God. Before turning to the reading, I'd just like you to turn to the second page. We will recite this after our discussion of the reading, but Roman numeral four, the creed preaches the faith that saves us from our sin. The creed shows us that God loves us and has done everything to save us from sin through Jesus Christ our Lord. Beneath that is the creed itself. The first article, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, God the Father. We will spend four sessions on God the Son, the second article. And those four section, sessions will revolve around what I have in the right-hand side of the page, incarnation, which is tonight, enfleshment, crucifixion, whereby the Son of God makes atonement for our sin, resurrection and ascension, and then his second coming in judgment. So those will be the four themes of the four evenings on the second article of the Creed. Next week is not a Didache divine service, but the All Saints Day service in celebration also of the faithful departed. So this is what to look forward to, and I will talk more about that when we get to Roman numeral four tonight. Turning back to the first page, Luke chapter 1, the Annunciation, Gabriel visits the Blessed Virgin Mary. Faith, which is trust and reliance upon Christ for salvation. Faith is created by the Word and the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament scriptures, the proclamation of God's word through the prophets that was then written by prophets like Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and others. Those promises were what not only created faith, but inspired hope. So part of the reading tonight is spoken to the Virgin Mary and then to the Israelite Jewish faithful who had heard these promises and were longing for their fulfillment. So that Jesus, according to his human lineage, is the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the son of David, from the tribe of Judah. All of these pieces fit together for the Jewish believer in the Old Testament church to give him or her confidence that this Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah, and the Deliverer, the Redeemer from sin, death, and hell. So out of faith is then created what we call hope. Hope not, that's not wishful thinking, but hope which is confidence, in what is to come. So for us, after Jesus' birth and after his death and resurrection, we have faith in him and then hope, confidence 
in our own resurrection when Christ comes again in glory. So the details of tonight's reading, and it's not a long reading, but it's compact with wonderful connections to the Old Testament, are to ground faith in the certainty of God's promises, which then give way to the confidence and blessed hope of salvation in the Son of God who became man. All right. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. The angel Gabriel had already visited Zechariah, the priest, the husband of Elizabeth, who was the cousin of Mary, and had visited Zechariah when he was in the temple, officiating at the evening sacrifice, confessing his sins, leading that confession of sins for the congregation, praying for forgiveness and Messiah to come. Zechariah doubted the angel's message. He was struck mute. Now the reading tonight begins. Gabriel is going to the Virgin Mary. It is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So she has three more months before John is born. That's where the narrative begins. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. All right, some questions. I've bolded some portions of the reading. I've underlined some portions of the reading. 
in the opening verses 26 through 28. It says of the Virgin Mary, now if she's a virgin, it means she has never been intimate with a man in a way that would give conception and then birth. It is said of her, she is betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. What does betrothed mean in Bible times legally? John? They are husband and wife. They are married. They are united legally in marriage. It does not mean that they were engaged to be married. It means that they were legally husband and wife. What Luke, the evangelist, is careful to record is that she was still a virgin. They had not yet come together. Matthew's gospel also records this and makes it plain that they had not yet come together to consummate their marriage in the one flesh union that could result in conception. It is very important that Mary was a virgin. It is very important that he, the Son of God, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Why? Any thoughts on that? Why? Wesley. Well, it certainly shows the power of God. You're correct. What are all human beings since Adam's fall? Sinful. They're all sinful. And the corruption of original sin is passed on at the time of conception from a father to the offspring. So it's very important that the Son of God is conceived in the womb of a virgin and not by a man. Because first of all, who is he from eternity? Who is he from eternity? Son of God. From eternity, he is the Son of God. But then he becomes man, but he come, becomes man without, without sin. So the virgin conception and birth of the Son of God is important because he is true man but without sin. And he is without sin because he is the Son of God, true God yet true man, in order to be the sin bearer, to assume not only our flesh but to take responsibility for our sin. Now here's a question. What about Mary? Is she without sin? Now, in Roman Catholic theology, they teach the doctrine of the immaculate conception, that Mary was immaculately conceived so that the Virgin Mary was without sin. Is that true? No. We won't go to that reading tonight, but later on in Luke 1, Mary says, Behold, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things to me. Holy is his name. So Mary is as sinful and ordinary as you or I. 
but a miracle takes place in her as the Son of God is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get to this question about how is it that Mary as a sinful woman can give birth to a sinless child? And the answer to that question is found in what the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary. In a number of places, look at the end of verse 28. Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. And then, also verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Notice in in that verse 30, as well as verse 28, the favor of God rests upon her. Now, if we were to translate this into Latin, it would be favor, which is favor, dei, genitive case, of God, the favor of God which is a technical designation for another word we use in English that speaks of God's love that is undeserved, speaks of his mercy and his compassion. Do you know what it is? Grace. Grace. The undeserved love of God is his grace. So rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You have found favor. Whenever an angel says to us as sinners, do not be afraid, the favor of God rests upon you, the Lord is with you, what is the angel communicating with those words? Forgiveness of sins. In other words, let me put it another way. If you're a sinner and your sin remains, do you have a reason to fear God and his judgment? Yes, absolutely. But if God tells you through his messenger, that's what angel means, do not be afraid, your sins are forgiven, then do you have anything to be afraid of? No, No, because your sin is forgiven. And remember, forgiveness of sins means cleansing, purifying. So if the Lord is with you, If the Lord forgives you, then you are cleansed and you are pure. So we speak of, some of the old colics speak of this too. Mary is called the pure virgin. She is pure not by virtue of an immaculate conception, but she is pure by virtue of the Lord's forgiving grace. Now, Larry, are your sins forgiven? Not by virtue of any immaculate conception of you, I think not, but by virtue of the Lord's forgiving word. When when the Lord says, I forgive you all your sins, do not be afraid, be of good cheer, then you are declared righteous, holy, forgiven, and you can stand before God without fear. Do not be afraid. So this helps to answer the question, how can a sinful woman give birth to a sinless child? Well, if that sinful woman is declared righteous and forgiven all her sin, if the grace of God rests upon her, and if that child is conceived by a miracle of the Holy Spirit, then such a child is fully human, yet without sin. Is there anyone else who was ever fully human, yet without sin? 
Adam, prior to his fall, Adam and Eve prior to the fall, Adam and Eve created from his side, they were without sin. So that adage to err is human is not exactly correct. To be truly human is to be what Jesus was in his conception and birth. Truly a man and yet absolutely pure. Human flesh and blood, just like yours and mine, yet without the stain and corruption and vileness of original sin. Why? That he might be the sin bearer. Remember last week I asked you about the power of Satan. What is the power of Satan that Christ has come to redeem us from? Well, it was God's own word. The day you eat, you will die. So it is as if Satan was giddy. If they will eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they must die. He knew better than Adam and Eve that God is no liar. And so the Son of God, it is as if he were saying, yes, man must die. The day you eat of it, you will die. I become man, and I die man's death. And that's how he crushes the serpent's power, his headship, and redeems us from the power of the evil one. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who by his incarnation, suffering and death, has taken our sin and the power of Satan he has redeemed us from. All right. So that's very important. This is why we confess in the creed, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And notice how the angel Gabriel then verifies, proclaims the holiness, the sinlessness of the Son of God in human flesh by the words that he says to Mary. Do not be afraid, this is verse 30 and follow, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now the name Jesus, it's his proper name. It's the name that Mary and Joseph would give him at his circumcision, but it's the name that God the Father designated for him at the time of his conception because it means something. Yeshua in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus, it means he is the Lord, Yahweh, and it means he is salvation. The Lord is salvation. That's why his name is Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, when he is wondering what to do, his wife is pregnant, he knows he's not the father. The angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You will call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. So you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. So who is that a reference to? He's the son of the highest. God the Father. So you have God the Son. He will be great. He'll be called son of the highest, God the Father. The Lord God, God the Father, will give him the throne of his father David. So according to verse 32, it appears as if he has two fathers, doesn't it? God the Father and David, because he is of the human lineage of David, the king from the tribe of Judah. He will reign over the house of Jacob 
which is Israel forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end, so it is an eternal kingdom. Now, one of the things that's emphasized by the evangelist St. Luke here, which is also captured in the catechism that we'll see in a moment, is that Jesus is both Son of God, true God begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, and according to his human ancestry, since Mary and Joseph are legally bound together, and since Joseph is from the house of David and the tribe of Judah, Jesus is legally Joseph's son and legally part of the lineage of Messiah. In other words, the anointed one who is to be king. This goes back to what I said at the very beginning before we started the reading, how the expectation, he's going to be an Israelite. Well, there's 12 tribes of Israel. He's going to be from the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe out of which Messiah came. That's the tribe out of which King David came. He will be of the household of David, the lineage of David. And Christ in the Greek, Christos, or Messiah in the Hebrew, both mean anointed one, which is what happened to kings. That's how they were invested with their authority. So at Jesus' baptism, he is anointed by the Spirit there and designated publicly as Messiah, King, as well as we will see later uh, when we talk about baptism, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So all of these things work together. Mary is also from the house of David. Uh, Later in Luke chapter 3, the lineage of Jesus is traced through Mary. In Matthew's gospel, it's traced through Joseph. So both legally and, if you will, biologically, Jesus, according to his human lineage, is a descendant of David. You see how important these things are to God. And they're important to God to reinforce and to be the foundation for faith in each one of us as we see Jesus as the fulfillment of the scriptures. Now, Mary, in her question in verse 34, puts the angel Gabriel to the test. So if an angel or someone who claims to be an angel ever comes to you, put them to the test on the basis of the scriptures, God's word or the small catechism, which is a faithful exposition of God's word. If they agree with the scriptures and the catechism, it's an angel, or it's a faithful witness. If not, it's a false witness. So Mary says, how can this be? How can I conceive and have a child? I do not know a man, which means she has not had intimate physical relationships Uh, with a man that would lead to conception. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. There's the third person of the Holy Trinity. Now, I'd like you to think about the creed. First article, God the Father. Second article, God the Son. Third article, God the Holy Spirit. Notice how all three persons of the Trinity are named in verse 35. We are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is a miracle of new life imparted to us. 
It's parallel to how, by a gracious act of God, the Holy Trinity, the Son of God was conceived in the womb of Mary. So there's a parallel there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, third person of the Holy Trinity, the power of the highest. So the Holy Spirit is the power of God the Father by which Jesus is conceived. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called Son of God, second person. So in that verse, 35, all three persons of the Holy Trinity are specifically named. Furthermore, by the angel Gabriel's word, he is Holy One, without sin, set apart as Messiah, and he is named Son of God. Okay? Extremely important and rich passage that designates who Jesus is. So if you come upon Jehovah's Witnesses or others that deny the deity of the Son of God, here's one of countless passages that affirm it. Now the angel goes on. Oh, uh, one other thing. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 7, 14, the promise is made, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's quoted also in Matthew's Gospel, but it's from 700 years approximately before the conception and birth of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. So this is a way in which what, a, what Mary is hearing from the angel agrees with what the Old Testament scriptures that she would have been catechized in taught. In other words, in terms of his identity, son of David, house of Judah, holy one, and conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. Now remember the first promise of the gospel from last week. The seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Normally in the rest of scripture, it's the seed of a man. But he's designated seed of woman to also indicate the virgin conception in Mary's womb. All right. To further underscore this then, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible, not the conception and birth of a child to a woman who had been barren, nor the conception of a virgin by the power of the Spirit. With God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, referring to herself, let it be to me according to your word, which is essentially to say, Amen, Amen. And the angel departed from her. So I've got some bullet points here that highlight by summary the theology of the event of the incarnation of the Son of God nine, nine months before his birth. First bullet, the Son of God became man to bear our sin and suffer our punishment and death to redeem us from the slavery to sin, death, and the power of Satan into which Adam had sold himself and all of his offspring. Dominion had been given over the whole creation to Adam. He squanders it and sells the creation and himself into bondage to sin and Satan's power. The Son of God becomes the second Adam. 
to be and to do for us what Adam failed to be and to do. Third bullet, Jesus was the legal descendant of King David because Mary was betrothed or married to Joseph, the descendant of David. Fourth bullet, Jesus was the biological descendant of King David because Mary's lineage also traces back to King David and the tribe of Judah. Fifth bullet, the favor of the Lord is God's grace, his undeserved love and mercy for sinners. The sixth bullet, Mary was a sinner who was cleansed and declared righteous by the forgiving word of God's grace, which she received by faith. Seventh, the word of grace coming to Mary by which she is justified parallels the word of grace that calls us to faith in Jesus and justifies us. I can't emphasize that enough. Is Mary blessed by God? Absolutely, but so are you. Mary was a sinner blessed by God to hear the forgiving word of God which declared her righteous and by which then the Son of God was conceived in her womb. At Christmas time, we often sing a little town of Bethlehem and we talk about him being born in us and that's by the forgiving word of God's grace that enters into our ear as it entered into Mary's ear and he is, if it, as it were, conceived in our hearts by the word and spirit of God through faith even as the Son of God was conceived in Mary's womb. All right, the eighth point, the Son of God is conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb so that he is truly man, yet without sin, to be the bearer of our sin and to reconcile us to God the Father. And the final bullet on the second page, in the incarnation, the enfleshment, Jesus, the Son of God, shares fully in our humanity all the sin, sickness, infirmity, and death of humanity he takes upon himself. All of his righteousness, forgiveness, goodness, and life becomes ours in him. So at, at Christmas time, we often sing a Paul Gerhardt hymn, O Jesus Christ, thy manger, is my paradise, at which my soul reclineth. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. Talk about an image of humility and suffering. But it's my paradise because the incarnation, the enfleshment of the Son of God means that he shares fully in my humanity and in your humanity for the purpose of making everything that sin brought into our lives his own to redeem us from it. So in that hymn, you know, he whom the sea and wind obey doth come to serve the sinner in great meekness. For God's own child in mercy mild joins thee to him. How greatly God must love thee. And this is a hallmark of biblical Christianity. That in the incarnation which leads then to the suffering and death of Jesus, God is not far from us, but has drawn near to us, so near that he has become one with our flesh and blood to redeem us and to make us his own. And the catechism 
uh, language in the explanation supports that. So I pointed out the creed just before we started the reading. I've underlined verbs. And I want you to see that when we're talking about the creed, like in the first article, I believe in God the Father Almighty. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Creator, that's what he does. Okay. Under the second article, we believe in all of these things that Jesus is and all of the things that Jesus did. So notice, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. That's the incarnation that we talked about tonight. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, buried, descended into hell. There's the crucifixion that we'll talk about in two weeks from tonight. And then he rose, he ascended, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. That's a position of authority. There's the resurrection and ascension. And then finally, he will come again. That's the future hope for those of us who have faith in Christ for salvation. So I, I just want to underscore for you, we believe in the person of the Son of God and in his incarnation, his virgin conception and birth, in his crucifixion and resurrection, in his ascension to the Father's right hand, and in his coming again in glory to proclaim the very same word that he proclaimed to Mary to us. Do not be afraid. Come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. So that moves us into the explanation to the second article from the Catechism. And let's recite it together, and then I want to draw your attention to just a couple of things. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. Now, the power and impact of that explanation hopefully becomes more and more vivid for you as we talk tonight about the incarnation and the next didache section upon the crucifixion, his atonement, his resurrection and ascension, and his second coming. But I underline for you what might be called an abridged version of the explanation that gets at the heart of it. Look at the underlined portions. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Now, he's true God, begotten of the Father from eternity. He's true man, born of the Virgin Mary, but he is my Lord. Who was the Lord of Adam and Eve and all of humanity after the fall? after the fall, who was their Lord? Satan was their Lord. But he's redeemed us that he might now reclaim us and we would be, he would be our Lord. Satan is an evil taskmaster. 
Jesus is my Lord, which means he's my Savior from sin. In him I have freedom, forgiveness, life, salvation. See, that's the point that is being made here. We were in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to death. We were enslaved to the evil one whose power condemned us because of our sin. But Christ has redeemed us, bought us back. See, we belong to him at creation. Adam sold us over to him. Christ came and bought us back so that the communion and eternal fellowship in the life and love of God, the Holy Trinity, might be ours, which is what God always wanted from the beginning. Okay? So he's redeemed me. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord who has redeemed me with his holy, precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death. You could say, how can the blood and death of one man make atonement for the sin of the world and redeem all of humanity from the curse of the fall and bondage to evil, to the evil one. Well, if that one man is the eternal son of the living God through whom all things were made, then that one, his blood and his death, has the power to save. That's the Christian gospel. Okay. So he's redeeming with his holy precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death. Why? That I may be his own. That should be of extreme comfort. I belong to Christ. So another Christmas hymn of Luther's, What harm can sin and death then do? The true God now abides with you. Let hell and Satan rage and chafe. Christ is your brother. You are safe. Okay. That I may be his own just as he is risen from the dead. So I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord who has redeemed me with his holy precious blood with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, just as he has risen from the dead. All right. Any questions on tonight's lesson? The text or the catechism? All right. Let us prepare for the Lord's Supper. With him, 382, we praise you, Jesus, at your birth.
Let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you create the of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the second article of the Creed, you teach us that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the greatest gift of your love for us. He is truly God, begotten of you from eternity, and he is truly man, born of the Virgin Mary. He has become our Lord and Savior by redeeming us from all sins, death, and from the power of the devil, with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death. We no longer belong to the devil. Sin and death have no power over us. Jesus did all this that we might be his own and that we might live under him in his kingdom in the protection and safety of his everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness for all eternity. For all that Jesus has done for us, we give you thanks and praise. Forgive us for trusting in any work of our own for salvation. Forgive us for doubting your love and the precious gift of forgiveness we have in Jesus. Grant us, through the grace of your only begotten Son, to believe with absolute confidence that our sins are forgiven and that we stand righteous before you for Jesus' sake because he is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For in the mystery of the Word made flesh, you have given us a new revelation of your glory, that seeing you in the person of your Son, we may know and love those things which are not seen. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In the beginning, you created all things by your word. And in the fullness of time, your word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Let your word made flesh dwell richly among us, that faithfully eating his body and drinking his blood, we may receive the fullness of your grace and truth in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, 
grant us thy peace. Amen. The body of Christ given for you.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. O God, the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.